Hallelujah. If you would help me welcoming tonight a dear and best friend, Brother Osanu, would you come and have your liberty in the Lord tonight? Welcome him. This church, I know you love them, their family. They're a part of us, and we're just excited to receive the word of the Lord tonight. Amen, amen. How many thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Glory to God. One more time. Let's lift our hands here and thank him tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't know if you feel what I feel in this room here tonight. Hallelujah. But as soon as I came in the building, I could feel it just all over my spirit in here tonight. Hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you. Come on, let's press just for a few, just a couple more minutes. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Oh, we thank you here tonight, Jesus. Oh, you're in this room. We feel you tonight, Lord God. We know you're here, Lord God. Jesus, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Hallelujah. Any darkness that followed anybody into this building here tonight, it has to flee. Hallelujah. Because you're in this room tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. Any sickness that anybody came in with here tonight has to be healed because the healer is in the room here tonight. Hallelujah. The stronghold breaker is in this house here tonight. Hallelujah. The the one who breaks the yoke of bondage is in this house tonight. Hallelujah. It does not matter what you came in with here tonight. Jesus is in this house. He's the one who can and will turn it around. He's the one that heals the sick. He's the one that binds up the wounded and binds up the brokenhearted. He's the one who changes everything. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout of praise in this house tonight hallelujah glory to God hallelujah hallelujah that's not even in my message tonight hallelujah but how many knows that he's in here he's in this house tonight hallelujah hallelujah we're so thankful to be here tonight I'm privileged and honored each time I get to be behind any pulpit, but especially this pulpit, because it's part of my family's. Now I'm married in, y'all are stuck with me. Don't matter. <laughs> but I'm so thankful to be here tonight. Uh, I'm glad for my wife and my newborn baby that came out with me tonight. This is the first time she ever gets to hear her dad preach in person tonight. <laughs> Come on, you can't give me, I'm just kidding. You can't give me a hand? <laughs> no, but if you would... <clears throat> Turn with me in your Bibles. <coughs> Excuse me. To 2 Samuel chapter number 6. We'll start at verse number 1. We're going to got a lot of scripture reading here tonight. <coughs> and when you have it, if you wouldn't mind, please stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. <coughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Starting with verse 1 says, Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. 
And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. <clears throat> and when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. <clears throat> and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David. But David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. <clears throat> And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him, because, the, because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And I'm only going to read part of 16 and we're going to stop there. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me and pray if you would. Father, we thank you for, your wonderful, for the wonderful privilege and honor it is to be in your house tonight. We thank you for your spirit and your presence that is with us here tonight, Father. Father, I yield myself to you here tonight, Father, to preach this word that you have given me for this body, Lord God. I ask, Lord, that you would take my lips and anoint my lips of clay here tonight, Father, that you would say everything that you would have to say here tonight, Lord God, all for your glory, that your anointing and your power and your spirit would be manifested in this house tonight, Lord God, and that nobody would leave the same way that they came in, Lord, all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. You may be seated here tonight. Thank you. <clears throat> what we read in our text here tonight is the story of the Ark of the Covenant signifying the presence of God being brought back into Jerusalem by King David. Because you see, the Ark had been captured by the Philistines and it had been placed in the house of Dagon. And <clears throat> the Philistines were doing this, what they did was when they captured the ark, they took it and they placed it into the temple of Dagon in the city of Ashdod. And what it was, was it wasn't that they were adding to their worship. It wasn't that they were adding to something that they were already worshiping. But what they were doing was they had defeated the Israelites. They had captured the ark of the covenant and they were putting it into the temple of Dagon as a public declaration and as a public mocking 
king of God Almighty saying, our God Dagon has vanquished the God of Israel. He has defeated that God and we're going to put him to the side of our idol that we worship, that we do pertain in idol worship, excuse me. We're going we're gonna to get going here tonight, I promise you. Don't, worry, don't, don't you worry. <laughs> but they placed the Ark of the Covenant, like I said, in the house of Dagon as a mocking of God. But how many knows that God will only stomach a mocking for so long? He will only sit back idly and allow people to mock him and to say whatever they want about him for only a short amount of time. And as we read in the book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 6, when they placed it into that house, they come in the next morning and they find the statue of Dagon laying face down in the temple. And they're thinking that's just a coincidence. That's just something, you know, I, we don't know what happened. Maybe it just lost balance, whatever. But they placed it back up. They placed it back up into its place. Now, what I see in that scripture, what I pertain from that is God giving them a chance to yield to him. The ark of the covenant not to keep the ark not to keep it into their house of Dagon but he was giving them a chance to let them know that your God does not have any power over me whatsoever he was giving them a chance to say your God is a statue it is a graven image it is not alive but I am the one true living God I am the all powerful almighty God of Israel and if you will yield to me yes you can but I will not have any other gods before me. Hallelujah. <clears throat> but so we read in that scripture as well that it put, they put it back into his rightful place. They refused to yield. They refused to submit to the authority and the power of God. And how many knows in the last few years of this, the last few years of our lives, there's been a lot of idols and a lot of graven images that have been knocked down onto their face that this world has been, and this nation has been put putting back into their place where they once had them. But God gave us a chance. And I'm here to tell you tonight that there was a lot of idols that fell and there's a lot of people that have been trying to put them back up to that place of idol worship. But I'm here to tell you by the Spirit of the Lord, God has given us a chance to yield and the next time His hand moves, those idols are not just going to be knocked face down, but they are going to be knocked down. They're going to be destroyed to a point that they cannot be put back up again. <coughs> Excuse me. But the next instance we read of Dagon, they put him back in his place. They come back in the very next morning. He's down on his face again. But Pastor Jade, that's not, that's not the only thing we read. He's down out of his place again. But the Bible tells us that his head and his hands are cut off and only the trunk is left. You see, Dagon, what they worshipped was, it was a statue of a God that was man down to the waist and it had a fish tail. <clears throat> so when he fell, God cut off his head, being the, being the peace and the uh, action of wisdom, 
cut off his hands, being the instruments of action, and leaving the most unnoble piece of him, being the fishtail, left, saying that this God has no wisdom and no power and no authority to defend himself, let alone his followers. God was saying, that is an idol. I am the all-powerful God, and I'm going to show you with my hand that I am the only one true living God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And like I said, I'm not saying this is a thus saith the Lord. But in my own prayer time and in my own study time, as I said just a moment ago, God gave us a chance through the pandemic to understand and know what we allowed to become idols in our lives. He showed them to us. He brought them down to their knees saying these things have taken up your time. They have taken precedence over me and your walk with me. They have taken far too much of your attention and now it is time that I show you that those things they will pass away. That they can be destroyed that they can fall they have no power they have no authority they cannot protect you they cannot provide for you but the one true living God that you serve here tonight he is Jehovah Jireh your provider he is Jehovah Rapha the Lord God your healer he is the one that you can call on in the middle of the night he is the one that when you don't know how you're going to pay your bills he can send you a check in the mail. He is the one that you don't know where your babies are at right now, but he's the one that his Holy Spirit can be dispatched, find them where they're at, and they can give you a phone call saying, Mama, Daddy, I don't know what happened, but the Spirit of God got a hold of me, and I got saved. That is the God that you serve tonight. Hallelujah. But what happens? The Philistines, <coughs> the Philistines still refuse to yield. Their reaction is, this is real ugly. We put this ark in here, and he done showed, showed us who the real deal is. He's already showed us that this God that we serve has no power. Hallelujah. So the Philistines, what they do is they resort to just getting rid of the ark. We've got to get it out of here. We have to get rid of it. Hallelujah. We have to get rid of it. we got to get it out of here. So they they take it from Ashdod into Gath, where Goliath is from. But what the scripture tells us is, is what they are trying to do is they're trying to just move it from city to city, seeing if that will work. But they send it into Gath, and the Bible says that great destruction was also brought upon that city. 
refusing to yield, only desiring to just move it around and just to see maybe if we just get it out of our life, maybe if we just move it around, it'll make things a little bit better. We're not going to yield. We're not going to do this, but we're going to continue in our idol worship. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And how many knows here tonight, like I said, God will only take so much of rejecting and refusing him and mocking him. So great destruction is also brought upon upon that city. (coughs) Excuse me. Hallelujah. Then they end up they sending they end up sending it to Ekron. And the people of Ekron, as soon as it is coming into the city, they cry out saying, they have brought the ark of God of Israel here to kill us and our people. The presence of God shows up and their first response once it is in the city of Ekron is once again to get rid of it. Instead of yielding to it and embracing it, we've got to get it out of here is what they're saying. Why is that? Because when you yield to the presence of God, everything else that is not of him has to die and he becomes first and foremost in your life. I promise you I'm going somewhere. Just bear with me for a moment. Hallelujah. They had been, all of the Philistines and all of the people of these cities, they had, be, they had been convinced of the power of God, but they would not convert. How many do we see in our world today that day in and day out, they see the power of God being demonstrated. They see his hand being moved. They see miracles upon miracles, but yet they will not yield. They are being convinced day in and day out, but but they will not convert. Why is that? Because like I said, once you convert, everything in your life changes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So they get together and they build a cart and then they send it off to the city in Israel of Beth Shemesh. And when the people see it coming into the city, they rejoice. It says that they were out in the the fields harvesting. And they rejoice when they see the ark coming. They see the presence of God coming into the, back into their city. It has been stolen. It's been gone. Now the presence of God is coming back into our lives. The presence of God is coming back into our city. And they're rejoicing. The Levites, they come. They take it off of the cart and they set it up on a great stone. And they begin to offer burnt sacrifices before it. Which sounds... Very good. It sounds really good. But the thing about it is, is they were trying to do this in their own way. Because the Bible tells us that God said that the ark was to be covered by the veil of the tabernacle. And only certain individuals at certain times were to come before the ark and into his presence. But they've got it set up on a stone, not behind a veil, not in a tabernacle. And anybody and everybody is coming up and offering burnt sacrifices before the presence of God and before the ark. Now, like I said, it all sounded very good. But when we try to do God's things... 
with our own mess with our own methods it never works out we think this will work better this is more efficient more people will see it this way this is the way that it ought to be it doesn't matter what god said but this will work better in my own eyes, so I'm just going to do what I want to do. But when we read a verse or two down, it says that 50,000 men were slain. Not slain in the spirit, but they were dead. They were destroyed because somebody decided we're going to do it our way. We're not going to do it God's way. And we're living in a day and an hour where we cannot afford to let our own egos and to let our own things, let our own, oh, come on now here tonight. Help me out just a little bit. We can't afford to let our own methods be overcome and take over what God has already instructed us to do. We can't allow ourselves to step in front of God and say, God, I know better than you. God, because that's what we're really saying when we say, God, I know you said to do it this way, but I'm just going to try it this way because I know better than you. I know the culture. I know the atmosphere and the temperature of society right now. I know a little bit better than you, God. I'm the one living it, but let me tell you here tonight, nobody on this earth knows what's going on in this world better than our God does. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we have two instances where the presence of God is mocked. And then we have the next instance where it is not taken very seriously. Where people try to do things their own way. <clears throat> and so instead of the men, the, the men of Beth Shemesh, instead of them just saying, we're going to switch back and we're going to, we're going to stop for a moment. And we're going, to, we're going to go and we're going to do it God's way. Instead of that, they also result into getting rid of the ark. So they send word to the men of Kerjath, Jiram, or Jiram. And they say, come and take the ark. And they take it to the house of Abinadab. And like I said, we go from mocking to shortcuts to total disregard and neglect of the presence of God in the house of Abinadab. Because for 70 years, it remained here in the house of Abinadab in a state of disregard and neglect until King David found it. For 20 years, it started out in the house of Abinadab. For 20 years, it was there. Then all of the 40-year reign of King Saul. And then for the first 10 years of David's reign. And many believe that when they study, many theologians, they believe that when King David found it in the house of Abinadab, that it was actually out in a field near the woods. Because we read in Psalms 132 and verse 6, it says, Lo, we heard of it at Ephrata, and we found it in the fields of the woods. 
Hallelujah. And we see in our society today where the presence of God has been so disregarded and cast to the side and looked at as something that is not needed or wanted anymore and and something that is just second rate or second class or something that people only need to experience in their own personal lives or something that they need to only keep in on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. But how many knows in our society today we see the very results of a disregard and a neglect of the power and the presence of God with murders and suicide and divorce rates and depression skyrocketing and going through the roof, taking prayer out of the schools and our schools taking off on a downhill track from there. People saying, keep your God to yourself. We don't want him. Keep your God to yourself. We don't need him. And we see it in this nation. We see the results of that happening now like I said I'm not doom and gloom here tonight I'm going somewhere I'm trying to I'm trying to hurry but we see David a man after God's own heart He has finally found the Ark of the Covenant. He has finally found the presence of God. And he says that I'm going to bring the presence of God back into the city of Jerusalem but what does he do What does he do? He tries his own way. Not only that, but he took the same way that the Philistines transported the ark. He transported the ark on a new cart. He took something of the world, dressed it up a little bit, put a little bit of worship music on it, and said, that'll work. Now, I'm not here to get legalistic. I'm not going to do that here tonight. But we see a lot in many of our churches today. We see a lot of people taking things of this world, trying to dress it up a little bit and put some worship music on it and call it God's way. Our God is a holy God. He's not going to allow something of this world. He's not going to allow his presence and his glory to be manifested through something that this world uses day in and day out to to reject and to mock him and to neglect his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So David dresses something up, comes up with his own way says, this is how I'm going to bring back the presence in the ark of God. This is how I'm going to usher in the presence of God into Jerusalem. He wanted the presence of God. He wanted it. He wanted it to be in Jerusalem. He wanted the power. He wanted the glory. He wanted the ark to be in the city. But no matter how bad he wanted the presence of God, God would not allow David to do it, David to do it his own way. Just like no matter how bad we want the glory, no matter how bad we want the power and the anointing, no matter how bad we want the presence of Almighty God in our churches and in our schools and in our in our city and our nation, no matter how bad we want it, there is a way to do it, and that is God's way. We can't do it our own way, but we've got to pray. We've got to fast. we got to fall on our face and seek Almighty 
God with everything that we have. That is how we will usher in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. David tries to shortcut it. And the cart begins to shake. And Uzzah reaches out to steady the ark. And God strikes him dead. Once again, doing things our own way and not God's way. People have been destroyed. People perished. So David stops everything. He stops everything. He said, we're not going any further with the ark. We are not going one step further. They leave it in the house of Obed-Edom. And the house of Obed-Edom is blessed for the three months that the ark was there. Hallelujah. And then David corrects his error and brings in the ark the right way. Because you see how the ark was supposed to be transported was it had rings on the outside of it. And then they had rods and, 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 and poles that would go into those rings that were plated and covered in gold. And the priests, the Levites, were the ones who were supposed to usher in and to transport the ark of the presence of God. So David says, I know how God wants things done. I know how God wants things done his way. And so now I'm going to correct my error. You go get the priests. Go get them. The Bible says that they that bore the ark on their shoulders, the priests were the ones who carried in the ark of God into the city of Jerusalem. And it says that they would, they would sacrifice. They took six paces and they offered sacrifice and prayer unto God and when David saw the ark and the presence of almighty God coming into the city it said David danced before the Lord with all of his might why did he do that why did he dance he knew what it was like to live without the ark in the city he knew what it was like to live without the presence and the power of God but he said the ark is coming back the presence is coming back the power is coming back Oh, lift your hands and give him a praise here tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Where are you going with all of this, Austin? Where are you going with all of this? As I've said a couple times here tonight, so many times in so many instances we see where the presence of God has been mocked, it has been shortcutted, it has been neglected and disregarded. But I believe that there has been a remnant that never strayed from doing things God's way. There has been people that have never, never shortcutted it. There has been people that have not neglected it. There has been people that has not mocked it. They have continued. They have fasted. They have prayed. They have sought God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. David had to wait three months before he course corrected. You might be here tonight, and you might be saying, 
I was not one of those ones that stayed the course. I'm here to tell you, you can course correct here tonight. You don't have to wait another night. Hallelujah. You don't have to wait another night here tonight. But this can be the night. Why is it, why is it so significant and why is it so, so, so important that the Levites, the high priests, were the ones to usher in the presence of God? Why is that such a big deal to us now? Because in Revelations chapter 1 and verse number 6, the Bible says that he has made us kings and he has made us priests unto God our Father. So whose responsibility is it to usher in the presence and the glory of God into our families, into our cities, into our schools, and into our jobs. Whose job is that? The priests, you and I here tonight. We're the ones who we carry. We're the ones who are meant to carry the presence of God every single place that we go, everywhere we go, taking the ark, taking the power and the anointing and the presence of God with us. You're going into your schools. I know it's summertime but when school starts back up you're going into your schools I got the presence I got the power of God with me I'm going into my job I got the presence and the power of God with me I'm going into my family I got the presence and the power of God with me how do you continue to always do that Austin you always do it God's way you keep prayed up you keep fasted up you keep seeking his face you keep on your face before him saying, I'd never want the presence to leave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me here tonight. I'm done. <clears throat> Glory to God. <clears throat> So when the presence of God was coming in, David, what did he do? <clears throat> the Bible says that he danced before the Lord with all of his might. Hallelujah. But it also says that he was girded in a linen ephod. He had to take off his kingly garments. He had to humble himself before God why did he do that he humbled himself before God because he was saying I know I'm king of Israel but most importantly I'm a worshiper I'm a servant of the most high God hallelujah you may be here tonight you may be saying Man, I just feel like the presence and the power of God is so far from me. I just feel like I've been just lackadaisical, lazy about the presence of God. I feel like I've been neglectful. I feel like the presence of God has left me. I'm here to tell you, He's not left. He's not left here tonight. But what I am here to tell you 
is tonight is the night that you take off whatever, whatever garment that you wear day in and day out and say, I'm putting on that linen ephod. The priests wore that linen ephod. I'm putting on my priestly garment here tonight. And God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to worship you. Because no matter what, I, when I wake up in the morning, no matter what title I wear, whether it's father, mother, sister, brother, welder, electrician, salesman, student, whatever it is, no matter what title I wear, down on the inside, down in the core, God, I'm a servant of the Most High. God, I'm a priest of you. God, I'm a worshiper. And I know, I know that I've not been, I know I've not been where I should be. I know that I've not been seeking you and ushering in your presence like I need to. But God, tonight starts a brand new beginning. Tonight is the night I take off my title and I put on that garment of a worshiper. Hallelujah. If that's you here tonight, I want you to come to this altar. Hallelujah. If that's you here tonight, I'm not here to embarrass you. But if that's you here tonight, I want you to come. I want you to seek the face of God. Hallelujah. And if you're one here tonight, that you say, Austin, I have been doing it. I have already been. Keep on keeping on. Get in this altar and keep doing it. Keep ushering in the presence of God. Keep ushering in His glory. Hallelujah. This altar is open here tonight. Come and seek His face. Hey everyone, uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you could take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life. And as you can continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. Follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. Uh, I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.